0: Welcome to this Linklater's podcast on operational resilience. I'm joined by Raza Naeem and Claire Wiles to take a closer look at how asset managers are preparing for the start of the UK's operational resilience regime. Raza, what are the operational challenges faced by asset managers? Hi, Simon. Hi, everyone. Um, It's quite a good question, actually, because at the very heart of it, at least I like to believe that the asset management industry and the business is, in some ways, quite a simple business. I'm sure many listeners will disagree with me. But in some ways, it's quite a simple concept whereby you get assets from investors, you pull them together in a pot, manage them, with the hopes that the pot gets larger for everyone and everyone makes more money and you collect fees along the way. there are obviously variations in the model and technical differences between firms and how different rules apply different pro- more product offerings, be it model portfolios, separate accounts, funds, and so on. But the, the crux of it all really comes down to that simple concept of you taking someone's money, managing it, and they then need to be able to generate returns and benefit from it and be able to take the money out as and when they need to. So the business model and entry structure does not really have to be complex. And I guess in some ways, if we compare to some of our banking clients, there is quite a significant difference in terms of the complexity and scale. And again, there will be exceptions to this because there will be some uh, managers who do very, very complex activities. But generally, from a financial services perspective, one can argue that the asset management model and structure is relatively straightforward. But having said all of that, I mean, there's no doubt that asset managers still face significant operational challenges. I think I mentioned being able to take your money out being quite a significant piece. And that will vary from, say, a separate account client who will have direct access to their assets and so on, and the manager themselves versus an investor, a retail investor in a fund. And if your subscription redemption systems go down, then there could be potentially significant implications for that investor who's put their money in and so on. And in addition to that, I mean, putting aside the standard challenges, like the rest of the financial services sector, asset managers have also gone digital. They rely as part of this whole digital movement on different overlapping systems to deliver their services to investors and a lots of outsourcing to affiliates, third parties, and so on. So there's, unfortunately, as things have become more complex and tech savvy, there's more and more scope for disruption to happen, which is where these, these wonderful new operation resilience requirements come in. We're recording this in November 2021. There's less than five months to go now before the rules start to apply. What are your views on where the industry is at this point? I think um, a lot of progress and a lot of work has been done so far. Um, I think with a specific focus on identifying important business services, it's worth remembering that the 31st of March 2022 isn't a hard stop to operational resilience implementation. This isn't a deadline for submitting any documentation with the FCA, for example, so you can continue to improve your implementation of the regime and how you evidence compliance as you go on. In fact, I think the rules actually encourage that with the transitional period, you should build out your mapping and testing to a high level of sophistication over the next few years. And again, a very, very important word of warning, the transitional period is limited to 2 things mapping and scenario testing. So you still need to have something to show in terms of self assessment documentation. If, say, the FCA come knocking on the 1st of April. Claire, can you remind us what that documentation that has just mentioned has to include?
1: So, there's quite a long list of written records that the FCA is expecting asset managers to create which will show how they comply with all these different aspects of the operational resilience regime. So, for example, you'll need to list out your important business services, as has mentioned, your impact tolerances and your testing plan. You'll also need to record a justification for each of these. In addition, you'll need to have a written strategy for communicating with internal and external stakeholders when a disruptive event happens. As well as an explanation of how that strategy will actually reduce the harm caused by the disruption. So, these are really just a few examples of everything that will end up in your self assessment records. So, 1 frequently asked question we do get in this area is about the overlap between the transitional period that Rosa just mentioned and the self assessment documentation requirements. And the short answer here is that the transitional period doesn't apply to these records. So you do need to have these all written out and in place by the end of March next year. But in practice, as I think you probably picked up on, there are going to be some aspects of the documentation which may look quite thin in March 2022, but which will hopefully be much more comprehensive by the time we get to 2025.
0: And where do you think firms should be at this stage? i think um, firms should really have identified or be close to identifying their important business services as i think that's probably the most important piece of the puzzle because everything else really follows on from that Uh, the next stage i think should be working on setting the impact tolerances for each of those services because the idea is you must be compliant with your impact tolerances the next three years Um, and a fair amount of mapping would also have to be done in that process as well so i think as we've discussed in a way you should be bringing all the work together into this self-assessment report that claire was just describing and could you give us an indication of the kind of work that you're doing so we've been um, working with legal contacts at firms in particular asset managers who are typically supporting the projects that are being led by the operations teams because a lot of this is operations focused rightly so but there are very difficult technical nuances in terms of the rules and when they apply like say the pra definition of an important business service is in some ways different to the fca's important business service and actually if you look at the two together you potentially have to set two different impact tolerances under both regimes if you're subject to the same requirements at the same time so there are lots of different nuances that come with that and i think the identification of the important business services as i mentioned is a key piece of all of this. Key point really is to think about your business and make sure you're setting your impact tolerances accordingly, but also setting your investment business services and identifying them at the right level. Because if you have hordes and hordes of investment business services, in my sense is you're not doing things the right way. And these are the sorts of questions we get asked by people from time to time. And actually, questions related to that come down to the definition of an important business service like is it a client facing service is it a regulated activity and i know some aspects of the rules don't depend on whether you have a regulated activity or not but it is an important factor to consider so i think notwithstanding what i said earlier about the asset management sector being fundamentally simple there are a number of complications and i think for example if a client has like an insurance entity within the group then We've been working with clients in terms of what that means, because often many asset managers have an insurer that writes and creates uh, unit linked insurance contracts and so fundamentally from your perspective it's the same fund management service, but you have a whole layer being applied of unit linked insurance contracts and PRA requirements and so on. So, thinking through the nuances for your group and so on, I think is quite important. And we've been, as I mentioned, a lot of it is led by the ops teams, but we are very heavily involved in terms of the regulatory interpretations, legal analysis and sorts of pitfalls to avoid from a rec perspective.
1: I'd certainly agree with that and I'd also add that we've been having several debates about the practical applications of some of the uh, concepts that Ross has just mentioned. So, one particular issue that keeps coming up is under the definition of important business service, what it means for disruption to cause intolerable levels of harm and how do you practically work out what that means and how do you set parameters to assess that within an important business service. So that's uh, quite a common question that a lot of clients have been coming to us with. As Raza mentioned, another issue has been around how the FCA and PRA rules interact and how you apply them practically, uh, particularly when it comes to assessing and setting impact tolerances under both regimes. And I think more generally, uh, it's also worth just commenting that we have been really advising a lot on the perimeter of the regime. So that really means precisely working out which entities both the FCA and PRA rules might apply to within a group and how these rules all interact where you might have multiple entities either inside or outside the regime that rely on each other to provide business services to the end investor. And now, of course, we basically need to bring that all together and help firms package this up so that they can show compliance with all these rules.
0: Well, just picking up on that, looking ahead, what should asset managers be focusing on?
1: Well, so I've already talked about the self-assessment documents that you need to have in place by the 31st of March 2022. And I think it's worth pointing out that the board actually needs to sign this off as well before you get to that date. So that means you do need to factor in time to allow senior management to review everything you've put together and all the various justifications, explanations, methodologies, and so on. Unfortunately, you can't really expect senior managers to read this for the 1st time on 30th, on the 30th of March and approve it all there and then.
0: I think that's right, Claire. I think bringing senior management along with you on this journey is really important. And I would say that they should already have been training on what this regime is all about. And there should be a plan in place for engaging with them in the new year as well to make sure you get that sign off in good time um, as well as that. I think my tip would be to constantly revisit justifications and challenge assumptions that have already been made. Certainly at this stage, and you know, over the next year or so, there is still time to pin down that legal analysis and recalibrate if necessary. Thank you very much, Raza and Claire. Please get in touch if you have any questions. For now, thank you for listening and goodbye.